Hello, my friends. Starting the podcast a little differently this week. It's been a busy week. I met a girl. I went to a poly pool party. There is lots to discuss. And then the interview is with one of my favorite people in pro wrestling, or out of it for that matter, Mr. Bobby Fish. He has two kids that he co-parents without much issue with his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend. He basically got to where I want to be, even if not by choice. It's my unconventional life. I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness, and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way, it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex and relationships in 2016. Sponsored by, you guessed it, no one right now. Every week I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? said the week has flown by but not without good reason i feel once again on the precipice of change i met someone i really like um physically emotionally she just gives me that feeling in my chest that i remember when i really liked a girl in my youth And I'm not really sure why, it's just undeniably there, and more so every time I've seen her. Unfortunately, I don't know if she feels the same way, and I'm unlikely to find out. In fact, logistically it's going to be difficult to pursue anyway, given the limited amount of time we're going to have to do so. But the upshot is that at least it's nice to feel that part of me can still exist. I met up with my potential parenting partner, Rachel, on Tuesday for lunch before she left for Burning Man the next day. She's going to be away until the middle of September when she will come back to LA for two weeks and is still open to having her last round of IVF with me. At least the extent of making the embryo, because the plan would then be to freeze it as she is going back to Europe in October to implant the embryos that she still has over there because she feels like she has to give them a chance at life, which I get, I understand. We did talk more about how we would co-parent, but just like before, there was no resolution, like no real concrete plan, because ultimately her plans regarding her current parenting partnership are now completely uncertain with the recent change of plans regarding where they're going to be based. I mean, the truth is, as she said to me, at 45 years old, if she has another kid, it will be a miracle. So I think her mindset, therefore, is to try, and if it happens, it must have been meant to be. But I don't know, I I thought the whole point of a parenting partnership was to discuss and agree on all the issues surrounding having a kid before you do so. Uh, I understand that time has been a factor in having to move forward without that level of due diligence, but I also see that making any more time hasn't been a priority either. Something just doesn't feel right right now, but... 
Perhaps I just need to take a leap of faith. Fortune favours the bold, they say. Supermom, while still a wonderful option with whom I feel great rapport, may never feel ready to move forward or be happy and content if she does. New girl I mentioned last week in Long Beach has barely been in contact too, so who knows if that is a possibility. So what should I do? What would you do? I guess most people would never be in this situation anyway. And tonight I went to a polyamory pool party and discussion which was really awesome. I can't say how fantastic it was to go. It's a monthly event with one of the groups that I'm a part of on Facebook, but I hadn't been in nearly a year as I was always either out of town or had another commitment. As always, when I mention poly meetups, all my monogamous friends immediately think it's a sex thing, like a swingers party or something like that, when in actuality, it's barely sexual at all. It's really more of a pleasant, encouraging and communicative group of like-minded people talking about navigating their unconventional lifestyle choices in the world today. I don't know, it seems like my monogamous friends think polyamory is way more focused on the physical act of sex than it actually is. Way more important about love and relating. There were about 50 people there, every age, shape, race and orientation, all genuinely kind and open. And I learned so much from talking to them and listening to what they had to say. We had a discussion about how to talk about STDs, which was fantastic, and then one about how to handle it when one of the people in a poly relationship is a bookend. Now, a bookend, as I discovered, is one partner in a non-monogamous relationship who only has the primary relationship, while the other person has lots of partners. Now, I'm way away from having to worry about that, but it was still so valuable to hear people talking openly about it. I did have somewhat of an epiphany, actually, in talking to a few people after the discussion, or more importantly, hearing myself talking to them, I really started to see the perception and representation of myself as the lovable loser. You know, I wrote about it in my blog a couple of weeks ago. And I think the infrequency of my sex life is actually my choice, as much as I complain about it. I think I want to be that guy, perhaps. But I just need to figure out why. Why nine times out of ten I get so weird around girls that I find attractive. Why I won't drop my standards just to have sex. Why I represent myself the way I do to people that I know outright has the effect to disengender interest in me sexually. Nonetheless, it felt so empowering to talk to other people with similar unconventional worldviews. And there were some really attractive girls there too. I talked with one who reaffirmed my worldview that it's not about having to be with other people necessarily or that one person is not enough in and of itself. It's simply about being open to the possibility, but more so not having to shut off any intimate relationship that I've had in the past that is still super important and valuable to me. Nonetheless, driving home, I started thinking about that girl that I like again. Just wishing I could spend some more time with her and kiss her. Maybe I'm a little old to feel this way, but either way, I like the way it feels. And either way, perhaps living an unconventional life 
isn't going to be easy. Speaking of not easy, I have a little extra time on this week's podcast because the interview was short, so I wanted to share a portion of a failed opening monologue that I attempted to record for my very first episode. When I started, I wrote it all out, um, but just couldn't get the words out clearly. So it's pretty funny. I get pretty mad and uh, I thought it'd be entertaining. And then after that, it's Bobby Fish. Like I said, he's one of my favorite guys in or out of wrestling. Has a great attitude. He's a good guy. Co-parenting with his ex-girlfriend. We recorded it in my hotel room after a show a couple of months ago, late in the night, when Bobby was a little intoxicated. But it makes for some funny stuff. So anyway, fuck that monologue, then Bobby Fish. Good evening and welcome to my unconventional life. This is the opening monologue of my unconventional life. I'm going to be honest with you. You can probably hear that helicopter. I certainly can. And when I've waited all night to record this and I choose now to fly over the fucking top of my apartment. Thank you. Welcome to my unconventional life. It's Saturday night. It's 9pm. And while the rest of the world is out partying, I'm sat in my apartment recording a monologue about my life. Yay! Now the truth is, I've had plenty of good examples of monogamous relationships. My parents, for example. While while it wasn't a perfect marriage, they had difficult times the same as anybody, I could say it was a definitely it was definitely a positive example of love and devotion in a monogamous traditional relationship. Now what I don't think I was particularly different growing up. I had my fair share of unrequited crushes, the same as everybody else. I was a late bloomer. I was the last person to grow in high school. I went to a, I went to an all-boys grammar school for three of those. I'm going to do this all night. Do you understand me? It doesn't matter if you just keep fluffing it up and forgetting your words, because you will be here all night. I will sit here until this battery dies. I will get new batteries and I will continue to do this until this is done. So it's up to you. Take as long as you fucking want. I was a bit of a late bloomer. I didn't grow until I was like 15 years old. I didn't kiss a girl till I was 16. And it took a bottle of Jack Daniels and a secluded... I'll do it all night. I don't give a fuck. I'll do it all night. I will do it all motherfucking night. It doesn't matter to me. I'll be here. Enjoy yourself. Tip your weight stuff. I will be here all fucking night. (sighs) I just don't know how to do this. I really don't. Where were we? Now, where was I? Um, Good example from my parents. It was kind of expected. 
You know, I had a very traditional viewpoint of love and relationships when I was growing up. I had my, I had my fair, I'm going to kill you. I will fucking kill you if you do not do this. I am fucking not joking now. I cannot sit here for the rest of the fucking, for the rest of my life. You do this or you don't do it. I've had enough. I've fucking had enough. All right, pal. You want to start again? No, you don't start fucking again. You're not going to start again. You're going to carry on until you fucking get this, all right? I've fucking had enough of it. I'll be here all fucking day otherwise. I don't even know what that fucking means. I can't read that now. What's that mean? Minus 15. 10 seconds of fucking 10 minutes of garbage. Fuck off. I just don't know where I am now. <sighs> I just don't want to do this. I just don't want to do this. I think I just realized I just don't want to do this. Well, this is a commitment to podcasting, if ever I saw it. It's uh, 2.30 in the morning after a very successful Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and I'm battling to keep my eyes awake. And my guest this week has got his eyes wide open for some reason. Bobby Fish is Mm. in. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, like I said, just struggling. It's been a, a long old day, but had to get you on the podcast because uh, we've had a lot of discussions about unconventional dating and, and parenting as well. I mean, yes. you're familiar with where I stand in life on it or not? Do you need a recap? I'm familiar with the polyamorous notion but i don't know uh yeah i could probably use a little update as to where (laughs) that is relative to nigel mcginnis as i stand right now i'm kind of owning it right well that's ironic because you are sitting as you make this statement I don't follow. As I stand right now. Ah, but the comedy never ends. <laughs> but um, bump. <laughs> so basically, I always used to say that every time I've got in a long-term committed relationship, it's ended badly and I've lost the girl from my life. Whereas every time I've been in a non-exclusive, albeit brief relationship, it, when it sort of fades out it fades out but we remain in each other's lives and still care and love each other deeply so i kind of felt like why does an exclusive relationship have to be the de facto situation why can't you have a deep meaningful relationship with somebody that doesn't necessarily have to be exclusive and i just thought because it's not an option because there's either casual meaningless sex or there's deep meaningful monogamous sex and there's nothing in between. But recently I've met people who've lived consensually non-monogamous lives rather successfully. So I'm at a point in my life where I'm just saying, look, let relationships be organic. And that doesn't mean I won't ever be in a monogamous relationship. If I find someone, I go, you know what? I don't want to see anybody else. But it comes out of position of choice, not a position out of obligation, because it does seem that a lot of times 
people just expect that after a certain amount of time, well, this is going to be a committed relationship without actually really talking about it. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I stand in terms of that. I want to have a kid, but I want to have a parenting partnership to do it because I believe that a romantic relationship is sometimes counterintuitive to a good parenting relationship. Now, you've been in both, so what's your take on those sort of things? Where do you stand now? And obviously, I mean, you were married, right? No. You were never married? No. Right, but you were in a long-term committed relationship. Yeah, living under the same roof and uh, two children together. Right. So when you had kids, your plan was obviously to spend your life together. Uh, yeah. I mean, neither one of our children were planned. So I think <laughs> I think it was, you know, we were uh, tad young and not, not uh, no, not really. We weren't young. We we're, I was in my late 20s. Right. So that's not young. She was in her early 20s. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> Being a parent. And how now you're co-parents, correct? Right. And um, so I would think that when we moved in together, that it was just assumed that eventually we'd get married and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And that didn't happen. And uh, I think she started to see that, well, shit, this is not the settling down guy that I kind of need and uh it just got to a point where she'd had enough and fast forward whatever three years to now and um somehow this uh like friendship has come out of it and i'd say at this point she's my best friend right but i was just at the house that she lives in now with her current boyfriend her new boyfriend my kids, when I am not home, which is often, are there. They live at his house. Mm. Then when I'm home and they come and they live with me, and it just, I don't know, somehow it works. Right. Let me ask you this. Do you think you could have ever got into this situation without a romantic relationship, first of all? you think you could have just met her and been great friends and said, you know, why don't we have kids and then we can still see other people as well? you think that's a workable situation? I think it's a workable situation. I just don't think there's a lot of people, especially female, that are of that belief. I just can't see a girl being okay with that. Right. But it's funny though, isn't it? Because a lot of girls are perfectly okay being co-parents after Mm -hmm. the breakdown of a traditional relationship. Right. But why not without one? It just, to me, it seems to give you the opportunity to avoid any of heartache that sometimes comes with divorce right because a lot of times i mean you have been very lucky in that you guys are still friends and there's Mm -hmm. not that sort of bitterness between you where you don't try and use the kids against each other no that was never a thing even when there was still a little bit more resentment on her side because there were still some feelings we just were never like that couple that let the kids be a part of it or used the kids a uh, against one against the other like we just never it was never even a thought but what do you think what do you what did you contribute the breakdown of your relationship to um just me not being not necessarily that she was looking for a nine to fiver but i think as we got older she realized that yeah that's kind of what she needs if she's going to 
get what she wants out of life. Someone who's around most of the time. Yes, not a not a wrestler. Who's not away. not a guy that's that's away as much as I was. And then as driven as I was to try to reach a certain level of success in this business, like I think there's a part of that that made her more attracted to me and and respected me, but then at the same time a few years down the road and you know, I'm away as much as I am. Well, that starts to turn into resentment pretty quickly. It's funny, isn't it? Oftentimes the things that draw us to people at first then become the things that sort of drive a wedge between us. Yeah. But I watched a show actually and it talked about how this sort of oxytocin-fueled sense of love only lasts for three to five years. And what happens is when you feel like you're in love with somebody, Uh it shuts off the part of your brain that judges, that says this is bad or this is good. Right. And then once you sort of, that that fades away, you're Mm -hmm. no longer getting that oxytocin hit. Uh Uh-huh. Now you go, well, actually, this person really isn't what I'm looking for whatsoever. <laughs> right, right. And, and so does it not just speak to the potentiality that romantic relationships aren't the ideal basis to have kids? Well, I think if you, you know, you look no further than the animal kingdom and you see that yeah that we're the only thing that's monogamous therefore it has to be man-made so of course of course it doesn't make any sense yeah well i mean it does it's a make, man-made thing right right it, it makes sense to make babies you know what i mean so the but idea- that's a physical like it makes no sense to then say okay but then that's the only person because you've got no animal instinct that should be driving you to that conclusion. There is none. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to find in the animal kingdom examples of true monogamy, for sure. And when you do, a lot of it is all about scarcity and there's not that many other potential mates. I I don't know, but the, the truth is, and my friend said, it doesn't really matter what's natural or what's not natural. It's just what works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just seems to me that... A lot of times it's not really working, but in terms of the divorce rate in this country, Jesus. Yeah, right. Do you think like, yeah, what was your parents' relationship like? My parents both came from previous relationships where Ah. like my mom had my sister, my father was married, uh, my mom was not married to the gentleman. They, uh... I keep losing my fucking train of thought here. I think we should draw attention to the fact that what you've been doing before we just did this podcast. Well, I interview. wasn't doing anything. Right. Okay. Okay, so we're we're talking about my parents, right? Yeah, I was asking you because I think a lot of times, a lot of the people oh, that I've met who are anti-traditional relationships, when you look back in their past... There's a lot of things that have happened that, you know, a cynic would say, yeah, because you came from a broken home, mm-hmm. you are deathly afraid of getting in a committed relationship and having that end up the same way as your parents. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Do you think you took anything from your parents' relationship into your... I don't think so. Yeah? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. My parents always got along and, you know, but they were combative 
but almost jokingly half the time like my dad was always the punching bag and my mom you know would but my dad everything rolled off my dad's back so he just didn't give a fuck so yeah. there was nothing i saw no fights i saw like disagreements and my mom would would insult him in a horrible way and he would just walk away like you know muttering profanity under his breath right you know and then he cool off and she cool off and it was nothing yeah yeah so you know do you think that like the the breakdown of your romantic relationship has had a negative effect on your kids or not uh no not that i see and that was my biggest concern when yeah. when the split started to become apparent so this situation is not what i would have planned and thought possible but I don't even say anymore like, oh, this isn't ideal. It it may be ideal. Right. I don't. It it's working right now. And if you ask uh, any conversations that we've had with my kids, nothing. I mean, in fact, one of my kids said to to their mother, "Mommy, none of my friends' parents are together." Wow. Like it seemed like it was not <laughs> a big deal. And when my kid's mom first talked to my kids about it. They said they already knew. <laughs> and she certainly never told them. That right. was her trying to tell them. And yeah. they were like, well, Mommy, we didn't – we thought, you know. Kids pick up on a lot do. of things more than, than you ever realize yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and that for me is another reason why I'm fearful of having kids in a traditional relationship because when one breaks down, mm-hmm. I think kids pick up on that. They pick up on the negative emotions. In fact, one of my prospective parenting partners told me, that children can't subconsciously separate themselves from their parents until they're 16 to 18 years old. So if they see their parents argue, subconsciously they feel like they're arguing with them. And it's difficult for them to develop self-esteem and a sense of confidence if they see other uh, negative emotions in their parents. And for me, that's a reason why I want to have a kid with a parenting partner, a very good, close, platonic friend. I'd be affectionate to them, Mm -hmm. probably like kiss them. There'd Mm -hmm. be nothing that the kids would be able to see overtly that would be any different than a traditional relationship. With my ex now, when I arrive and when I leave, we generally hug and kiss on the cheek in front of her boyfriend at her boyfriend's house. Like he's been through a divorce too Mm. with, and he's got two daughters uh, who are a little bit older than mine. And I think part of what helps this situation work is probably because on his end, he's been through it before. So he's able to coach her a little bit and he is overly respectful to me. Like he gives me more respect than I would even ask for, Mm. you know, in personal situations between him and I, he has been so considerate to make sure that I was told about something first and, uh, that I was consulted on this decision or that one. And it's like, you know, by situation, we're supposed to be adversarial, Yeah, but we're not, I'm not saying he's my best friend, but that's because I don't, I don't fucking know the guy that well, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, I I just met him under a year ago, so I don't really know him. We would run out of stuff to talk about after we sit in a room, if it's just him and I, after five or ten minutes. It's not to say that I think he's a great guy or a horrible guy. I I don't think either. Yeah. 
don't just don't know him that well. Right. But as far as the co-parenting situation that he stepped into, yeah, man, I could not have asked for somebody to be more respectful of things. Well, that's great, isn't yeah. it? So Crazy. really, then, when it comes down to my idea and, and my desire to have a kid with a parenting partner, it's not that in and of itself it's likely to fail. It's just that in and of itself, in today's world, it's difficult for me to find somebody that would want to do this as a plan A versus mm. a plan B because that's a big concern for me is finding somebody who's you know late 30s early 40s and goes I've just never found the right person or it didn't work out and now I'm desperate to have kids so let's mm-hmm. just have kids because then what happens if they find somebody that they do think is the right person and mm. then how does that change things yeah you'd like to think that once you've had kids with somebody you'll always put the kids feelings first right but I don't know. That's that's a that's a big step. And again, I've seen it so many times where they don't. So I can't consider my situation the norm. Yeah. Because with us, I honestly feel, and I'm biased. I mean, of course, but I honestly feel like at every turn we've put the kids first and able to like ease the blow of this whole situation if there even is one to right. ease. So you're obviously not a very jealous person though, right? I have been at points in my life, but as I've gotten older, I it's just it's such a wasted Yeah. And you know, it, it even brings me back to the monogamy thing and where if somebody wants the commitment, blah blah blah, but it's like, you know what? If I want to see other people, I can and just lie to you about it. Right. I can, if I'm willing to live that life and I'm really good at covering my bases, odds are, you know, we could live our lives together and you never know. So knowing that that's out there, I don't know, is getting that verbal reassurance that you're the only person I'm going to see really change anything for real? It doesn't really change anything. Well, it depends how strongly you stick to your agreements and, well, and honor your obligations. And arguably, a lot of people don't. A lot of people make these sort of um, agreements without really thinking it through, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in a situation now because you're on the road a lot. You know, at this level, it's not like being you know, a very famous movie star or even, you know, working for WWE where there right. are a lot of girls around. Yes. There aren't that many girls around, but no. I mean, how do you deal with that in terms of dating? I mean, you just take things organically, and, and I try. but you've been in situations where you started dating a girl and you felt like you didn't want to see anybody else, right? Uh, recently, yeah. Like, how was uh, that? And that was, I would say, the first girl that um, since I split with my ex that uh, our paths crossed somewhat organically and I was interested in like legit interested in right because back in the day you you, you played the field right uh, I guess I was never really good about dating multiple people but when I was Drinking at, at like a lot of one point in my life, I was pretty good at just one night encounters. Just seemed to, I seemed to trip over them, you know. <laughs> so like, but I was never very good about stringing it along and then having a, you know, having a catalog. Yeah, I would always fuck it up. So it just always ended up being a lot of one night stands. Right. Or maybe I just fucking suck at sex. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe I'm got- only good for baby making purposes, not pleasure. Have you ever got any feedback? My feet? Feedback on the sex. Oh. <laughs> Has anyone ever like told you? I thought you just said. <laughs> I got your I've never got your feet back. <laughs> like as if somebody had taken them. <laughs> Did those fucking guys ever give them back? <laughs> what kind of a sick way? <laughs> Wow, we really have deviated. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's calm down. (laughs) Okay. Back on track. Right. Are you a terrible lover? (laughs) Feedback. Yeah. Um, Unless people are lying to me, like, I don't think I'm bad. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this this girl that you said that, you know, you felt like, I mean, there was plenty of reason for saying, you know, this is shouldn't be an exclusive thing, but you felt like it should be, right? I felt like it could get there, um, and I felt like it was headed in that direction, and then it, it ran into a fucking brick wall. Which was what? Um, us getting high one night <laughs> on edibles. Things were cool, and then she kind of started bugging out and needed we needed to leave. I was almost half asleep, being that it was post-coitus. <laughs> and so we get in the car, and I get a couple miles down the road, and I realize I can't fucking be on the road. <laughs> so... Pull over in this like rest area or something. And I'm thinking, all right, we got to wait this thing out. This one over here starts hitting me with fucking relationship talk. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? I can't get us home. I can't, we can't leave here. And yet you want to talk about not seeing anybody else what the fuck yeah not a good time to have that conversation no. right i mean how how long have you been seeing her at this point before you- uh, maybe a month and a half two months so two months but you'd slept together and yeah we'd slept together but us both being in weird relationship situations me at the time was still under the same roof as my yeah. kid's mom so it's a tough conversation to have, isn't it? And, and deciding when you're going to have that conversation. Like I think I throw it out way too early because really? I'm, I, I'm fearful that if I don't, then I'll be leading her on and she'll get upset. And what that does is it puts up a roadblock that perhaps I didn't even need to do because maybe in a month or two, I wouldn't feel that way. I don't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I've got friends who live polyamorous lives, very happily consensually non-monogamous and right. they met somebody and they just said, yeah, this person right now ticks all the boxes for me. And right. I don't really need to see anybody else. I don't really right. want to see anybody else. And they still consider themselves polyamorous because they're open to it. But just at this point in their life, they're perfectly happy being with one person. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you operate from a position of fear, 
then it's very difficult to live like a positive, fulfilling life right. if you're constantly scared of, of hurting people. But well, that that's just where I come from a lot of the time. You know, I think uh, maybe I just need to own it. Yeah, right? maybe. I I uh, I don't know. I felt like if briefly I could be headed in a monogamous direction with this particular girl. Mm. Um, and it was kind you know, as it was headed there and then, like I said, she just put a big halt to it that by night. having that conversation or just having that conversation. Yeah. Because place. she started, well, to verbalize that stuff. Like we were headed there without it having to be verbalized for me. That's what I thought we were headed because I was interested. Right. But maybe I didn't do a good job of communicating that. But like, right. So I was in uh, Japan right after this things kind of started, and there was opportunity presented, and uh-huh. um, and I I wasn't into it because I was thinking about her. Huh. Yeah. So I came home at that point, and that was before the night that we got yeah. high. So I know that was like confirmation for me that oh, I'm definitely into this girl. Yeah, so you felt but then as it though faded. you felt as if you had hooked up with somebody else that you'd be disrespecting her. Yeah, or? part of part of it was that, and part of it is like when I'm into somebody, then I'm not into other people. Huh? Like if I'm into somebody, hmm. I'm not saying that I wouldn't like if I was married for however many years, like that I wouldn't be tempted by other women. I know for a fact that I would be. That that's just human nature. Yeah, but. During that honeymoon period, quote unquote, even if it's a couple months in and, and I'm if I'm into that girl, yeah. then I'm not strongly attracted enough to other women. It's not to say that I am I am not attracted to other women at that point. Of course I am, but I don't know. It just it's like, eh, no, I'll wait. Yeah, it's funny. I did a podcast with an evolutionary psychologist and I was talking about this is a book called Sex at Dawn, which talks about how we all evolved from these sort of polyamorous, egalitarian, small nomadic tribes where sex was a resource like food, like shelter, and it was shared equally among everybody in the tribe. Mm-hmm. And he said, actually, really, that's not true. And that as men, we have two dating strategies. Number one is if we think a girl's good enough to sleep with, but she's not at our level, we'll impregnate her, but we won't invest heavily into her. Uh, but if we meet a girl that we weird. think genetically is like, wow, I'm a seven, she's an eight, then you will invest completely and you will have that rush of oxytocin that we call falling in love. And that sense of monogamy is actually very natural for human beings, Uh only if you're with somebody that you think is better than you. So one person's got to be happy in the relationship and the other one is not. It is what you're saying. It, I mean, it, there can be situations I think where you both feel like, "Wow, this person's better than me." Especially in this world where oftentimes we look in the mirror and go, "Oh, I'm not really that attractive." Okay, yeah, I get. Okay. You know, but the, I guess tr- I was the, the trouble it. with it is, in that situation, within three to five years, that feeling fades. Of course. So he said, the best situation for human beings is not to be polyamorous and everybody sleep with whoever they want. But to have relationship 
talks every year, two years, three years, and basically to expect that within three to five years, these feelings are going to fade mm-hmm. and we'll go our separate ways and we'll try it with somebody else. Not the ideal is to spend the rest of our lives together. Right. And that kind of made a lot of sense to me. It really. kind of makes sense to me too. It's so unconventional, but yeah. so logical at the same time, which it makes it a little bit strange. Is that more of a workable situation, you think? To, to meet a girl, to get to know her and go, listen, this is kind of my viewpoint. I thoroughly expect that within three to five years, these feelings right. are going to fade. So let's just check in each with each other after a year, after two years. Uh, or do you think they're going to go, um, fuck off, that's like... I think it really depends on how early you uh, have that conversation. Are you talking first date, first night? But for me, it's tough because I I find this stuff so fascinating that it comes up naturally in conversations. And I I go, oh, should I not talk about this? I've got a friend that says, you know, less history, more mystery. You don't need to put it out there straight away. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of working on that, you know, developing that sort of dating process. I haven't dated a lot of people. You know, no, me neither. I've been in a lot of long-term relationships, so it's it's kind of rough, yeah, kind of tough. But how do you feel your life going forward? As long as you continue to be wrestling, you're going to be on the road a lot. Yeah. Your kids are the most important thing in your life. They yeah. have to be. So you can't yes. make any other relationship more important than that. No. Um, and I think that that would also maybe muck the water a little bit with the ex and I. Not that she has any feelings there, but just that uh, I think we both checked out on our relationship. I think she did a better job at trying to see other people and be an active dater that she was able to kind of go through the process and then end up finding uh, her new guy and realizing that, okay, this is what I want. Yeah. Um, I really haven't done that. And so she being as close as we are now, being my best friend, she knows I don't talk dating with her because that's just a little bit disrespectful, but I don't hide it from her either. You know, we've had conversations where she said to me, like, I I don't think you're ready right now for uh, a relationship. So you, you do need to see multiple people and like, it's okay, you know, that, that you're dating that girl, but don't get serious with her because you're just not ready yet for that and and you got to understand that there's going to have to be a conversation with you and your daughters she's not going to let my kids meet another woman in she'd have to be in my life at least a year right and for myself i wouldn't want to do that either because again my kids come first and they don't I think what happens with kids if there's too much dating is that they get threatened by every person that comes into their parents' life. Yeah. You know, and I don't want that to be at all a risk with with my kids. So right. like anybody that I've seen, they've not met. Right. So if I was going to have a kid with a parenting partner and we would see other people, then we'd have to have almost a veto power, right, to bring any other kind of influence into the relationship i think so Uh, yeah i i mean as far as like the kids meeting that person yeah Mm. which you wouldn't have to i mean i'd be perfectly happy dating someone and not introducing them to my kids necessarily right uh for i think that i would be comfortable with that for a lot longer than the average person Mm. would be 
But ultimately, if that person's going to stay in my life, yeah, I want them to meet. Right, eventually, yeah. 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 Because so so in, intrinsically, do you feel as though that's what you're looking for? To find one person and, and go through this whole... I think so, because that's what I've only always ever expected. Yeah. However, at this point, you know, even my brief dating sense, we, we split... My on again, off again, hot, cold sort of feelings towards somebody. Hmm. Um, it seems like okay. Well, if this is the norm, if this is what it is, I just can't imagine myself ever being into a person enough to be like, okay, yep, it's just you. You're the the only one I will be with ever. Right. You can't imagine ever being in that situation. I don't think so. But then at the same time, you're like, okay, well, but then am I going to be, does that make me like the 60, 65 year old guy that is by himself? Like this, I, I don't know. Am I, you, do you carve out a lonely existence for yourself going forward? But the, the opposite of that seems like death too. Like where, okay, so we're still, we're, we're physically in the house together. We don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We don't sleep together. Right. You know, I mean, I know lots of like older generation people, whether they be like a neighbor or like an aunt or something, where the husband and wife eventually start sleeping in separate rooms. Right. Like full on separate rooms. Now, that happened in my parents' house quite a bit, but a lot of it had to do with my dad would just fall asleep in the recliner. Right. And when he was out, he was out. You could have drove a fucking dump truck through the living room and he's not waking up. Yeah, but and then there'd be the nights where he he would go in and and they would sleep in the same bed. But I think it was a lot more regular of an occurrence in in that generation. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I think a lot of people when they look at a lifelong monogamous relationship, they see all the different stages of it. You know, the, the falling in love, the honeymoon, the children, and bringing them up and then you become best friends with right. your partner and when you see that old couple walking hand in hand in the park you don't think of them fucking you know what i mean you just <laughs> well you don't <laughs> i got a thing for older men <laughs> you do have your nails polished pink at the moment i have daughters it's, I, every, oh, yeah. mike sanders every time i saw him actually He'd have his nails done like that. Was so. it the guy from WCW? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Above average, Mike Sanders. I'm going to get him on here as well, actually. He's yeah? A, yeah, he's a great fella. Yeah. When you said above average, it sounded like you said Bob Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Your Brutal hearing Bob. has been terrible. <laughs> Well, Dalton dumped me on my head tonight. Yeah, so you did get dropped on I your think head. I'm, I was worried for I you. I might be deaf now. Ay, ay, ay. That's no good. We could get me one of those horns, though. You stick in the ear. Like on Pete's Dragon. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> <laughs> there was like a, a poor villager, and she was deaf, and they would talk, and she hey! <laughs> and that meant she didn't hear you. And right. she's got the horn, looks like a cornucopia horn sticking out of her ear, <laughs> pointed at you. You ever listen to podcasts and people just ramble on about stuff completely off? <laughs> yeah. 
But this podcast wasn't about Peach Dragon it or deaf people. It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, it was man. about love in 2016 and how we best give and find it because the world's changing. Yeah. Right? I mean, we live in a world now that it's so easy to connect to people. Facebook, Tinder. Mm-hmm. It's it's all there, right? And and given that. There's so many different ways of meeting people and expressing your love and, and arguably even having sex. Why is the expected norm still the same as it has been for the last what, 100 years? I don't know. I, get, I mean, it. I think it's habit. You think it's, it's, it's like the change? church, you like it's the... all. But why do people, with with what we know today, I mean, why do people still put so much faith in religion, knowing that you know? I mean, don't be a fucking asshole. The odds are, this is what it is. Well, I mean, arguably, you could make an, an argument that people need that neurosis, whether it's true or not. They need something to. to... I think history proves that people need need that yeah but, right. you know because every civilization has had it yeah. and it's it's stood the test of time i mean we have a need to try and find a reason for our existence no doubt about that some people use religion right. some people use drugs some people use ambition or family we all have these things that stop us thinking about why am i alive and what's gonna right. happen when i die you know that's crazy and i think one of these things is as i said like how we relate to other human beings i feel like when I'm in a relationship with somebody when I say a relationship I don't mean necessarily just a monogamous sexual relationship for the rest of my life because we have a relationship you know what I mean it doesn't have to be a sexual relationship as human beings we want to connect to other Uh, human beings because we feel that sense of loneliness and separation that a Buddhist would tell you is never really there that we're all part of the same universal oneness and it's only through connecting with people that we feel that and that being the case how do we best connect to people has it changed because this notion of finding one person and spending the rest of your life with them, I don't know if that's the ideal way of relating to people. I don't think it's possible to do that and not lie to yourself a little bit as far as how happy you really are yeah. or are not. Yeah. I think you got to get comfortable with, hey, at some point, I'm going to tell myself I'm more into this than I am. <laughs> and that's just the fucking way it goes. Really? I think so. Is that cynical? Yeah, that's cynical. Um, People call me cynical, but like, I know couples and I go, yeah, they they really do seem happy. They really do seem as though they don't want to be with anybody else. Yeah. And, And maybe there's just, that's just a variation in human beings. Maybe there are some pair bonders, as they like to be called, and there are other people. Who aren't pair bonders. That makes the most most sense. That explanation of it makes the most sense, logically. Well, um, how should we end this? <laughs> it's, what time is I it now? I don't know. It is late. It's close to 3.30 in the morning. Oh, great. Right. We really fucking... We really killed this, too. This is, <laughs> this is good. It's a good thing you stayed up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, listen. I, I I think it was important to get you on here because you've you've got a lot of life experience that I think I can learn from. You know, so well. I'm turning sixty three in October, and uh, you know, I 
should have a lot of life experience. In closing, do you feel as though this is something that I could do successfully? Do you think that we live in a world where I could have a happy, fulfilling, consensually non-monogamous relationship and have a parenting partnership with somebody else and raise kids successfully? I'm going to say yes based on the fact that I did not plan for my situation to be what it is. But from a parenting standpoint, I feel like my kids get everything they need. And uh, I feel like they don't see their mother and I have arguments. Right. They don't see us disagree. They don't see us say awful things to each other. Right. They certainly never have seen me or her you know, put hands on one another. So all of those things were, were avoided somehow. And now I really, I feel like this is an ideal parenting situation. Right. Fantastic. And then the other part in terms of dating? Um, I don't know. You think people can have deep, meaningful, non-exclusive relationships? Forever? Ah, man. Yeah, I I think that the non-exclusive thing the part about it, it running three to five years and all that stuff, mm. like there being a timetable and each stage is represented by a, a different sort of emotion or feeling, it makes the most sense to me. But that's only with somebody that you're really into. Right. But there's times where like this, like a person can be completely intoxicating to you. Mm. Um, but then, you know, could be a month later, two months later, three, six Two years, three years, four years, but eventually it does seem to, you know, to Right, fade. but what I'm saying is if, what if you meet, don't meet that person that you're really into and feel that monogamous way? In the meantime, are you just going to be celibate until you find somebody that you really feel that way about? Or no. Because I feel like you have that natural human need for sexual connection. Yeah, everyone, yeah, right, everyone right. does. I don't think you should deny yourself that. But then before you meet someone that you're really into, then you'd only have non-monogamous sex with them. Yeah. And then when, if it was, if I had met somebody that I did have that Mm -hmm. with, I would be willing to be monogamous with them without having to establish it verbally. Which let's be honest is what everybody does. That's what dating is, right? Right. You just date people until you find someone you go, wow, I'm really into this person. Someone that you want to see a second time and a third time. Yeah, that's what my buddy said, that that I'm just, this is all semantics and I'm just, you know, trying to talk too much about something that's very simple. You just date people until you meet someone you really want to see and... (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's it it's as simple as that and you know yeah that was my was my problem (laughs) i don't know that makes sense to me yeah i think i agree i don't know if i'm really there i i I do think that i can have deep meaningful non-monogamous relationships but at this point i i haven't had any that are close you know Mm. like I know people various parts of the world that uh, have been intimate with in the past that I could be intimate again in the future, but it's not what I consider a long-term non-monogamous relationship because we don't really see each other enough. That makes sense. And I think were we to see each other a lot more, arguably it would be a little bit more problematic. Uh But maybe that situation will arise sooner rather than later. And if it does, you will hear about it here on My Unconventional Life.
All right. Any closing words, Mr. Fish? I don't think I have any. No? Yeah, I don't right. know. I well, don't think so. I'll send you off to bed. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate yeah. it. And um, hope your you. neck feels better tomorrow. <laughs> Who feels better? <laughs> your neck. Oh, I thought you said Nick. <laughs> what happened to Nick? <laughs> And you thought that we did some bad ones. <laughs> well, that was Bobby Fish intoxicated. Next week will be an interview we did the following morning when he was sober. Different feel, but some really good stuff nonetheless. And actually, in editing it, it kind of made me cry hearing him talk about his kids and how much he loved them. So, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Well, that is it. One week closer to Six Feet Under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know would be a good match for me as a parenting partner here in Los Angeles. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Please rate, write a review and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Show some love. I'll be back next week, but if you want more before, then you can read my weekly blog at nigelwrestling.com forward slash blog, where you can also buy merchandise, book me, or just send me a nice message. Until then, wherever you are, and whoever you're with, I hope you find kindness and love. Be happy. <laughs>